Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast. This series is brought together by GPAC, You Know Why and CSPPS. Each episode will bring to you a different peace builder and their personal story. This season, we dive into the topic of inclusivity. How do we meaningfully bring this concept beyond tokenism? How can we truly involve women and youth in peace building? Young women and men still suffer from stereotypes, myths and policy panics that harm their agency and affect realizing their full potential for peace. The evidence is clear. Development is not sustainable if it is not fair and inclusive. Our efforts to build and sustain peace need to be democratized to include the communities most affected. Young people are our best chance in succeeding that. In order to break the status quo and make the world a better place, we need gender equality. The fantastic phrase, women's rights are human rights, must become the spine of all our political work. Today we're going to dive into the topic of whether inclusivity has been achieved following the peace agreement and conflict in Colombia. To do this, we are joined by Juan Manuel Martinez, a Colombian lawyer who worked on the Colombian Peace Agreement and is the founding partner of Humane, a consulting group on transitional justice. So welcome to the Peace Corner podcast. It's lovely to have you here today. Thank you very much, Natalie. Um, I'm pretty glad to be here uh, speaking about uh, inclusivity in the peace agreement in Colombia. And so we'll dive into our first question, which is what personally motivated you to become a peace builder? Well, uh, I don't know if I would call myself a peace builder. I, I would rather um, to be called more like a soldier of peace, as, as former president of Colombia, Juan Manuel Santos, has, has portrayed. This is like an ongoing battle for peace. So um, I would say that in, in a country that is trying to go from a period of armed conflict and, and large scale or systematic human right violations to a period of peace, it is, it is very important that we have a lot of soldiers and, and peace builders and, and people who contribute from their professional backgrounds um, to, to a more peaceful and just uh, country. Also, in Colombia, we have a conflict that has um, endured for more than 50 years. Uh, the death toll surpasses uh, 200,000 200, people. More, of, uh, more than 80% of them are uh, civilians. So I think we have a lot of reasons here in Colombia to 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 work on this issue, especially those who uh, of 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 people who have received education and and have like a social debt with those that have have, have been affected by the conflict, um, considering that they are the most um, humble and, 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 and the people who have less opportunities in our country. 
Thank you. That's really interesting to hear your personal story. Uh, Colombia has experienced a complex and long-standing conflict. Can you describe to us the main causes of the armed conflict and tell us why specifically those living in rural areas have been so significantly impacted? Well, um, in Colombia, the conflict uh, between FARC and the, and the government started with a period called La Violencia, uh, which uh, was more like a political uh, battle between the liberal and the conservative party. Uh, and then that was um, promoted by uh, because of the assassination of Jorge Eliezer Gaitan, who, who was a very popular socialist lawyer and politician of the Liberal Party that uh, tried to, to be president. And most probably he would be, he, 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 he would have been president. Uh, but well, he was assassinated in 1948, and that uh, caused a, a, a huge uh, popular um, protest and, and 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 a very critic situation. So that uh, added to the precariousness and, and the land tenure inequality since the Spanish colonial period, which was very linked and, and related with race and the social level of, of the people. Uh, I think that was like the main cause of, of, our, of our armed conflict. Also, you have facts like 8.3 million hectares of lands have been seized or abandoned due to forest um, during the armed conflict. So it is, it is a lot about land and a very tiny and weak state. We, we used to say here in Colombia that Colombia has a lot of territory, but a very tiny and weak state to, to impose its its force and its rule of law uh, among the the huge territory that we have. So you were talking about a peace agreement that's been signed, and whilst this has happened, there's still a lot of feeling of uncertainty in Colombia. And recently, the youth have been coming out and protesting and hoping to have their voices heard and to feel included within the transformation that Colombia is going through. Can you tell us about these issues that the youth want to be addressed and what is being done to listen to these problems? Yeah, uh, from November of last year, there was like a huge uh, protest and social unrest. It was initially caused by the announcement or the, um, the possibility that several measures and reforms um, were, were about to be discussed at the Congress and were about to be uh, presented by the um, government of President Ivan Duque, who was elected in uh, 18, uh, 20, 2018. So the me those measures were related to pension, pension reforms and the entrance of Colombia to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Those were like the, the, the 
specific causes, but then you have a context of social inequality. You have almost 20% youth unemployment, according to the National Statistics Department for July um, 2019. So you have a lot of social unrest. Uh, then the Union of Workers called for a national strike the 21st of November of last year. And then tens of thousands of people, especially youngsters from big cities, uh, among them uh, public university students and those called ninis uh, in, in Spanish, that would be ni estudian ni trabajan, which translate um, they neither work nor study. So there are people who lack opportunities and, and they're calling for, for, for action in, in, in their favor uh, from the government. And that also contrasts with mm, the government's uh, biggest initiative, which is called the Orange Economy, that is uh, related to in the innovation and creative industry something that should be in favor of, of the youth, but maybe just for the most fortunate, those who have had the chance and blessing to study here in Colombia and have a fine and working and effectively social network to start up their entrepreneurships. So uh, I think there is a context of of huge uh, social inequality. We are the second uh, most unequal country, according to the, to the Gini, in, in Latin America um, after Haiti. So, so I think the context is, is very important here. And, and then also the fact that we no longer have an armed conflict with FARC um, also let the people uh, think about those inequalities and, and, and express their ideas and, and try to, to be here by the government. Thank you. That's really interesting to hear. And coming on from that question, uh, what do you see for the future of the youth in Colombia in terms of opportunities to go to university and their development within society now that there's not an armed conflict before? And do you see problems in between uh, the communication between the older generation and the younger generation? And how do you think this can be bridged? Well, I think that we have to separate uh, two issues. Uh, in first place, you have uh, the youth in the rural areas, which uh, are the most affected by the conflict. Uh, so those those youngsters in the rural areas, they they might be able to escape from war and and to try to go to the cities or even in their towns or or their uh, parcels, uh, try to work on 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 development and also have. Uh, some kind of education. Uh, but then the problem is that in the big cities, you already have a lot of youngsters who don't have opportunities. So I think the, 
the signature of the final agreement for 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 peace uh, portrays an opportunity that uh, in order the government focus on those issues related to education related to uh, inclusion related to um, stop uh, the the early pregnancy in, in among uh, youth women so i think uh, the final agreement is an opportunity for the government, for the state, and for the whole nation to focus on the real issues, on the real problems that have been there even before the conflict. Um, also, also, I think that the youth have been a very important support for the peace agreement when uh, the refer the peace referendum uh, was was won by the by the no they took the streets they they were calling for a new peace agreement for a renegotiation and that forced the 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 negotiators of both FARC government and also the opposition and, and the no uh, movement leaders to uh, get to a new uh, agreement. So they have been very important for, for the peace agreement and, and they know that they are the future and they don't conceive the future without peace. Uh, Peace is, is, is kind of a, a condition, a, a necessary condition right now for, for Colombia. So I think the youngsters have been, in, in general terms, uh, supporting this agreement in a very important uh, way. Thank you for your answer. And uh, finally, our last question for you is, personally, how do you think we can move uh, beyond tokenism when we use the term inclusivity what needs to change in Colombia for uh, inclusivity to be achieved well for for speaking uh, more more specifically about the peace agreement and and the transitional justice measures that have been conceived and that have been uh, in some how admired in in the world I think the Colombian peace agreement has a very interesting innovation, which are uh, the restorative sanctions that uh, in Colombia were thinking on applying for war criminals and and and, and people who have committed um, crimes against humanity. So I think those sanctions which consist of works and activities with reparation contents uh, or restorative impacts uh, being developed in specific areas for five to eight years just for those who acknowledge uh, their responsibility on the crimes and tell the truth to the victims and also contribute on, on the reparation of the victims uh, I think those works and activities might be able to have a very important transformative uh, power in Colombia, especially because um, the past week 
uh, the 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 special peace jurisdiction um, have have talked about the possibility of link those activities, those works, those sanctions with something called the PEDETS, which are the programs for development uh, with a territorial focus, which is a program also conceived by the peace agreement in the in the point one of the peace agreement uh, on the uh, comprehensive rural uh, reform in order to um, have 16 of these programs in the 170 most affected towns in Colombia by the conflict. Those who have the uh, biggest uh, index of poorness, uh, they have the biggest also um, uh, impact on, on illicit economies like uh, illicit uh, cocaine, uh, coca crops, also uh, illegal minority, and and the the um, general idea of this program is to impact those areas. They are uh, participative uh, programs uh, that have like eight uh, very specific principles or pillars, which are the social um, um, participation to. Um, uh, set the territory, also the economic reactivation of the territory, the rural education, also uh, issues regarding um, housing and, and water, um, also the right to uh, uh, find nutrition and uh, alimentation in those areas. Uh, there is another pillar called reconciliation and peace. Uh, also, there there is a lack of infrastructure and and land adequation. So there is another uh, principle regarding that issue. And finally, um, the healthcare in those areas. So on on those issues, the 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 people who committed. Uh, war crimes and crimes against humanity related to the conflict, they can and they're able to have works, to, to deploy works uh, and activities that have a reparation content or a restorative impact regarding uh, um, the communities they affected and, and, and try to do these works and activity on these 170 uh, most affected towns by the, by the armed conflict. So I think that has a lot of uh, communicational power in terms of the, of the um, uh, ends and the and, um, objectives of a, of, a, of a punishment in terms of transitional justice. Uh, so, this is right now on the paper, but I, I hope that we have it already in practice for for the end of this year. And and I'll be uh, happily and gladly talking about this uh, in the next opportunity we have. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Juan. It was really lovely to speak to you and especially to hear about so such important things in the in the Colombian peace agreement and also you talking about your hope for the future. 
and I also wish you the best with your uh, new new business on uh, transitional justice. Uh, so thank you for coming and speaking to us today. No, thank you very much, Nelly, and thank you for the interest uh, that you guys have on Colombia. It is very important for us. It is very um, uh, it it gives us a lot of hope on the future and the support of the of the international community has been very crucial for for the implementation and and um, and this battle for peace in Colombia. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Peace Corner. Interested in hearing more from us? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud or wherever you might be listening.